It's time for a smashing cast from the present. Produced by Michael, the Exo Paradigm Gamer. Consulted by Haydox, the uh, Haydox. Supervised by Ryan, the Rye Rule. And directed by Dan, the King K. It's the Unversed cast. Ryan, I feel like this joint is burning my my fingers, so I'm gonna roll you another one, and I'm gonna pass it over. I, I think it's, now it's, it's your turn. I think it's kind of interesting that uh, King K was talking about Xenoblade for a moment because I guess I could talk about that. Um, this was uh, not only the first time I I played through the entirety of Xenoblade thanks to Definitive Edition, uh, but this was also the year that I beat Xenoblade Two. Hmm. Uh, I I I like Xenoblade Two more. Which that is, is a which hot is weird take. Because I ooh, yeah. I mean, like I I, I really I, I really like the first Xenoblade. I like that one a lot. Um, but it felt pretty. I don't know. It felt. I don't want to say standard. That's not the right word I would use. But it felt very tame. I guess. Right, like I, I feel like as if it doesn't go as extreme as I would want it to, or it doesn't I don't know I don't know I don't know what like there's something about Xenoblade the first one that feels like as if it's playing just a smidge too safe, and then Xenoblade Two is just like ah oh, fuck it we're gonna get weird with it, you know, and I think like like Xenoblade has more highs than lows the first one of course right, um. But they're not like super high highs for me, and also they're not super low lows. The first Xenoblade is a much more consistently good or even great experience, right? And I, I, I would easily recommend one over two for newcomers. But two, I find to be the more interesting game. And like, it's it's weird for me because I played this in 2017. It was one of the first Switch games I got on a Christmas. <laughs> Pick up, sorry. Oh, and um, I don't know. Like, it was I, I. I played the game for a little bit, I stopped, and I would go, like, a year without playing it again. Um, and, like, I just, I couldn't be bothered to beat it at some point, but I decided to beat it this year. And, I don't know, like, it clicked. And I, I, I really liked what they were trying to do. I liked the world that they set up. I liked Rex a lot as a character. You know, I liked, you know, watching him grow. I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I like both games quite a bit. But Xenoblade 2 takes the cake for me, so. I, I'm gonna get... Hey! For saying that, but that's okay. I don't think you will. I mean, hey, personally, I, think I would put Xenoblade 1 and 2... I would put Xenoblade 1 and 2 on the same level of interest for me, probably. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel like there are a lot more people who were introduced to 2 that probably like it more than 1. So I don't even think it's that hot of a take, to be honest with you. Um, mm. I feel like... Xenoblade is pretty, like, I mean, obviously you'll like some and you won't like others, but there are, there's a pretty core, sizable fan base for, like, all three games that kind of have crossover. It feels like a very, one of, in my opinion, it feels like one of Nintendo's most consistent series at the moment. Um... Where like everything they do, if not even if it's not like my thing, um, it is. It feels like 
they're they're doing really interesting shit. Like, I think one and two in terms of storytelling are some of the best games I've played in that regard. Um, I think two in particular. I would say that I like two's combat more than one's combat, actually. So that's something I can agree with you there on. I don't know if you, how you feel about the combat specifically, but that's something I prefer I mean, in two <clears throat> over one. I think. And the thing, the thing is too, is that like, and I would talk to Jeb about this a lot too, um, where I'm telling him like, you know, because like I couldn't really get into this game that much uh, when I first played it, and I, part of the reason why is I felt like as if the pacing, like in terms of like, uh, like how the game spells out its mechanics like i felt as if xenoblade 2 did that really bad yeah. you know it's like I, yeah. you get 10 hours in and you're no, still it getting really tutorials. does not do a good job explaining itself it, it does not and it's easy to forget a lot of the uh more niche mechanics um like i remember there was one part i think it was in chapter four and it's, it's like the first part where or the first time that a field skill is required. So you have to shove, like, cupcakes in Mithra's face in order to get, like, one specific skill up a certain amount, you know? Um, you know, like, I will always say that Xenoblade 1 is a more consistently good game because it doesn't have stuff like that. But at the same time, I also don't find Xenoblade 1 as interesting. I would say, for me, um, Xenoblade 2 is one of those games that when I finally understood how everything worked, Mm-hmm. It kind of transcended what was in the first game Because yeah in the first game, I think um, I love the combat of the first game. Don't get me wrong um, I think it's great thing about that game is that it has I think that it is paced Very well. I think that it tells you pretty much everything Well, except for like spike maybe was a little confusing in the original I think in definitive it's a lot more understandable, but like there were some things in the original that were kind of confusing, but like it is for the most part pretty straightforward and you can kind of rock any comp team comp you want. At least I can. Um, and though there are some nuances about the combat that change when you get more knowledge of it, I don't think it's as drastic as in two where it's really fucking hard to understand how it works at first. But when you understand it, I think that it goes a step above and because there's more to like break and topple has a few more stages there's like there are so many potential party members because of the gotcha system um there's like the chain attack system in that game is so much more complex than the one in the first game um and like the overkill system where like if you kill something if you get more damage off when the thing's dead, you go into overkill and you, based on how far you can overkill it, you get increased experience and stuff. I, yep. I, like, there, there's a whole fuck ton that goes into that combat system that has made me want to replay Xenoblade 2 as much as I want to replay Xenoblade 1, but kind of for different reasons. Um, like, I, I think I, I would not really participate in any kind of argument trying to figure out whether like you know which one's good and which one's not good you know like because i I just love let's have the argument and i don't know let's have the argument i know (laughs) i'm ready let's not have the argument because i think both of them are great and i have you're gonna hate me but i don't like this game which one is this (laughs) game which one are you talking about yes the second one yes 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, which one are you talking <laughs> <Yes>. about? <laughs> the, the, the freaking second game is trash. Mm -hmm. It has no Shulk. How am I supposed to know what to do? It does have Shulk in the Shh. DLC. <laughs> it does technically have Shulk, yeah. <laughs> no. And Elma is like again. one of the hardest bosses ever, and I hate it, but it's also really cool because it plays the Xenoblade X music. <laughs> See, uh, we've been talking a lot about the, um, how the game doesn't do a good job telling you what to do, and I felt that way. So, I, I originally just couldn't get hooked into the story. Just in terms of the intro, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 has that Colony 9, you know thing happen and that that just sort of hooks you immediately We're and the combat is very fucking dies <clears throat> but then michael comes back as a robot My ryan ryan <laughs> <laughs> all right you're gonna have to bleep that <laughs> no don't fucking bleep that shit up because smash ultimate spoils that shit oh did it yeah yeah oh it's <laughs> in the final smash oh and i'm that's pretty stupid. sure um, it's in the trailer for the post-game story thing they added in the Switch version, too, so... Yeah. And can I tell well, a funny story about, about on, how Ryan. I got spoiled One on Xenoblade? One second. Okay. I, I just wanted to say Chugga Conroy made a, a good tutorial about it. If you're confused, like, watch that tutorial. Yeah, it's like eight you know, minutes. If you, yeah, it, if you it'll were go like over, me, like, a few things that the game doesn't do a good job explaining, and I think it's worth it. Yeah. It's game changing, cause then I, I mean, I beat the game with that like fresh perspective, and I still don't like it as much as the first one because the first one has that ending, which, I mean, the ending of the first one is a mind fuck for me anyway, and I love <laughs> that theme at the end. But um, anyway, sorry Ryan, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. Please, it's okay, just my love. It is okay. Mwah. Mwah. Um, I, I actually have a funny story because you about uh, how Smash spoiled uh, Smash didn't spoil for me. I kind of uh, found that out through other means. Um, but Smash did spoil something for me involving Mumcar. Um, mm. yeah. So I get I get a spirit in Smash, and it's Mumcar. Uh, also spoilers for Xenoblade. And uh, as it turns out, uh, Mumcar can be enhanced at level ninety nine, which means it can be transformed into like a more rare spirit. Right? I'm like, okay, sweet. Leveled him up to 99. And he's like, oh, we can transform uh, this for you. He transforms into. I, I'm like, oh. Uh, dude, I'm sorry. That that reveal is sick in game. <laughs> I've never even played Xenoblade. I watched like the first like six episodes of Chugga's series, I think. And like the <laughs> moment showed up. I'm like, oh, it's that guy who died in the opening. Yeah. Who's Chuck? To me, that's super obvious. It's still a good reveal, though. I am. And they do it well. They they take an interesting angle with everything like that. The mistaken identity or whatever, that's a big theme. Like, people who are not who they say they are. And all that. Identity and whatnot. And so it, it, I don't know. I think two has a comparable story when you get past some of the <laughs> anime, an, anime influences, we'll say. 
Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think it has a pretty comparable story. It goes so its own here way. in this scene, um, we can totally see that Mithra can get her shirt off. <laughs> we we love you, Sonata. Uh, we love you. <laughs> Yo, you know, now that I've actually beaten the game, I can now finally watch that video. I told myself I wouldn't watch it until I beat it, and I finally beat it, so I can watch it now. Yay. But yeah. Xenoblade. Good games. Go play them. Yeah. I mean, I agree. No, I admit to being a little bit more curious about it, because it is my turn, right? Next. Yeah. So, it's Hadox's turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing a double. <laughs> ahead, I don't Michael. talk Daily enough double. on these podcasts, in fact. <laughs> in fact, I need to just be talking the entire time to myself. And then Michael's just going to be in the back. This is the worst one we've ever done. Yeah, that's, that's, gonna quiet that's the joke. In a fetal position in the corner. That, that's the joke that we do consistently on the show. But yeah, anyways, um, I'm admittedly more interested in Xenoblade now because... Of the game I'm going to be talking about <laughs> next, which is technically not a new game as of this year, but there was a release of it this year on PC, and that game is Persona 4 Golden. Whoa! Everybody's bringing up my goats right now. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I played... Basically what happened was I finished editing the Spyro 3 review, which is the most draining edit I've probably ever done like that was so <laughs> I when I was done with that I was basically like dead and then I ended up playing I think my my actual game of the year like directly afterwards which we will get to later um, but after that I played that then like I played a bunch of like one-off levels and the Halo Master Chief collection over the summer and then I'm just like well fuck I'm bored I don't feel like editing and I've, I've exhausted all of my go-tos, and I need something different to play. So I was, I was like looking through Steam, and I'm like, okay, they re-released Persona 4 on Steam, and it's 4K compatible. And I'm just like, hmm, is this something I really want to commit to? Because it's like, it's one of those things where going into it, I had no idea how much or how little I was going to like it. Um, so after talking to Ethan uh, from Game Mavericks, who you all of you watching you should know because game mavericks was super successful not uh <laughs> and he was just like oh yeah that game totally got me through 2015 uh which was a particularly rough year at our university that we went to together uh so i'm like all right i will it's only 20 bucks i'll bite so i bought it and you if you guys have seen any of my reviews of like the mario rpgs like a think I did. I, I'm sure I touched on this in the Klonoa Heroes review that none of you have seen because nobody cares about that <laughs> game even though it's surprisingly okay. Um, or my much more view, re, or viewed review of Superstar Saga. Uh, I touched on the fact that generally speaking I don't like RPGs that much. Uh, we, one of our, I'm not going to say his name, but one of the people on this podcast every single year he will bring up uh, a game with anime dudes and chicks in it that is an RPG that's like 60 billion hours long, and it will end up being one of his top three games of the year. And I'm just like, okay. So clearly those games are for someone. Excuse me? Uh, so, so clearly those games... No, hey, 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 hang on. Back up. <laughs> Go ahead, elaborate. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, what I'm saying is that those games are for someone. 
but but uh -huh. those games are generally not for me because usually what will happen is unless if your game is called Final Fantasy V, Lost Odyssey, or Chrono Trigger, if you're a general anime RPG JRPG kind of game, I usually get about ten hours in, and I reach a point where the battle system becomes convoluted enough to where I don't really understand it anymore. You, generally speaking, I don't find battling fun in most games. Lots of games have really boring, bland dungeon design where you just walk through hallways and open chests. Usually the story is pretty generic. There's an evil empire. Overthrow the evil empire. The Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy II plot, essentially. Um, and that's why I generally don't like RPGs that much. So when I was going into Persona 4, I knew that first off it was going to be an urban fantasy, which is a little bit different. Uh, more of more of an Earthbound and less of a Final Fantasy in terms of theming and setting. Um, and I just instantly became enamored with... Well, well first of all, I want to say that the PC port, they did a bang-up job on. Um, it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not a cheap-ass port that they threw together in five minutes. They actually took the time to update the assets for 4K and HD. And they look like the UI especially looks really super clean and easy to easy to read and you know and if this were a lesser port they would have just taken the PS2 assets and just blew them up um so kudos don't to have that to buy a Vita. yeah and you don't have to buy a Vita Yay! And the Vita is officially dead now yeah unless you like uncharted <laughs> golden abyss <laughs> Which, you know, was alright. Hey now, watch it. Or, or watch it. Gravity Rush. <laughs> uh, but Gravity Rush is also on PS4 now. Um, and it's like, even then, the Persona 4 Golden on the Vita apparently runs at like a sub-native resolution. It runs at like 476p or something. At this point, I've played so much of the PC port, I can't even remember how it ran on the Vita. Yeah, and it's like 30 FPS, and it's like, yeah. Uh, the PC port is definitely the way to go if you want to play the game. They have so many options, It's and it's an old enough game where probably any PC could run it if you have the right settings. I recommend, that's how I recommend you play it. I'm not sure, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them port it to PS4 or Xbox One. I mean, why not? More people can play it that way. Uh, but, you know, on PC, it, it's great. Um, I think what really drew me into Persona 4 right away was the unique setting for an RPG, just this small podunk Japanese town called Inaba, and it's a very, fairly straightforward story about like there's a murder mystery, and uh, you're, you're new to town when these murders start happening, and you team up with your friends to explore this world inside of the TV, uh, and to try to save people from getting killed by the monsters that infest this world essentially and those monsters are basically the repressed inner personalities of people called shadows um and you know so that in where the the characters draw their power from is sort of recognizing and coming to sense with their inner personalities and harnessing that power that catharsis to fight back essentially uh which was so it means that you get a lot of really poignant character moments in the game where they're forced to sort of come to terms with their insecurities and things that they struggle with and you know kind of their darker sides and then even then when you go to like the social link systems and like each character has kind of their own little story um even after they get their personas and 
kind of head on that path. They still have a lot of stuff that kind of a lot of uh, eggs to sort into various baskets, so to speak. Uh, and then, you know, when you max them out, their personas evolve. So very much a persona as a series is about people. It's about, you know, mm. human psychology and psyches and uh, emotion and, you know, the ways that human needs and and you know sort of people coming to terms with their darker selves and becoming better people for it um and it's like the the cast of characters is really solid and likable and has uh good interactions um i probably laughed just as much at teddy's shenanigans as i did playing the origami king so that's something like just i fucking love teddy <laughs> teddy is so good i love teddy that's all i have to contribute and I, i'll say it like five times he's just so good and um, the scene i i was watching a friend play this uh my friend liam triforce <laughs> if you know him uh he also played persona for the first time this year and i was watching him play persona 4 this he get when you gets to the scene where teddy gets a human form he was so dumbfounded and i was losing my mind because i've just been waiting this entire game for him to get to the scene where teddy randomly grows a human body <laughs> and it was just the most hilarious thing that happened all year almost probably it's amazing yeah so just really uh. really solid interesting characters um and honestly, that's probably what carried the game for me. There's another game I played this year. Technically, I played it this year. Well, 2020, I mean. Uh, that I can either get to next or get to later, depending on how we feel about it. Uh, that also came out in 2020. Um, that I feel is does everything that P4 does better. Uh, with a couple of exceptions. But I think... Did you finish it? I have not finished it yet, and that's why I'm holding off from calling it my 2020 game of the year or even my mm -hmm. 2017 game of the year depending on how i feel about it uh but we i now know what it is thanks um, so we will we'll we'll discuss that more later but i do feel like p4 has a couple of problems that i that kind of prevented me from enjoying the game more uh the first thing is the dungeons are absolutely the most bog standard bottom of the barrel no, yeah. dungeon design i've ever seen uh yeah p5 does that 10 times better than p4 yeah i mean uh, p4 still has the, the it was unique in the fact that it was the first game to give each dungeon a unique theme um that should have been standard didn't really do that from the beginning persona 3 didn't really do that um but, you know, there's still randomized layouts and it gets kind of repetitive near the end of the game. So P5, P5's dungeon design is one of the strongest things in that game for me. So I'll agree. Yeah. So it's like the dungeons and it's just like I as a person absolutely do not like procedurally generated level design. I think it's cheap. Mm -hmm. I think there's no... Because what makes level design really strong is when you have a designer behind it who has a lot of intentionality, knows how to use the space, uh, knows how to prevent backtracking, and, you know, keep that minimized rather and create interesting puzzles and make the space feel interesting. And with procedurally generated content, there's only so much you can make the computer do on its own uh, without stepping in. So basically every dungeon is the same they just have a different 
coat of paint over it. And that got really, really old. So basically, my, my experience with Persona 4 was the story between dungeons would be happening and I'd be really interested in it because I love these characters. I love the setting. I love learning more about these characters and leveling up like the basically the life sim half of the game is really strong um, and it carried the game for me. But then it'd be like, OK, another dungeon just got unlocked. And I'd feel the sense of dread in the pit of my stomach because I knew I mm. would have to slog through hallway after hallway fighting the same color swapped shadows over and over and over again the battle system I will say strikes a good balance between being easy to learn um, while still being satisfying because usually the problem I have with a lot of RPGs is that either they play the turn based battle thing too straight to the point where it's just like okay I've played a million games like this how is they couldn't put a unique spin on this or it's too complicated where you get something like a chain of memories where it's just like everything is wrong and I don't want to play this ever. Uh, <laughs> um, and Persona 5, 4 manages to strike a really good balance where it's it's fairly straightforward to understand. It's a simple, straightforward, turn-based RPG kind of thing. And they sort of have like a Pokemon weakness circle thing going on with the different elemental archetypes and, you know, enemies have counterplay. They will put up magic and physical barriers. Each one has like a different set of weaknesses and things that will drain, things that they will reflect. Um, some enemies are resistant to everything, but you can but have really low health so you can use one of like the the fire items that do like a stock 50 damage and you can kill them really easily that way and it's the ux design is really strong as well like the way that the menus are laid out are really that's true for persona 5 as well uh where just just moving through the menus feels good and the the sound is persona 5 has the best the best ui that i've ever seen in a video game maybe yeah but P4 certainly up there too in that regard where it's just yeah like the the audio visual feedback for combat feels good and that that to me was enough to make between the battle system being above average and the audio visual feedback and the UI design it's it was enough to make it above average for the genre for me which helped a lot i'm not sure i would have finished the game if if it the battle system wasn't as good as it was and you know, generally speaking, though, I found the bosses to be kind of damage sponges, uh, particularly mm -hmm. Shadow Kanji. And the only bosses to really do anything interesting were probably sh uh, the fourth dungeon boss, who has like a shell that you have to break to get at the actual shadow. And there's there's another boss in the sixth dungeon that I actually found kind of annoying, but at least I remember it in terms of like the design where it has a few interesting things it will do. Um, and it will, it does like a magus from Chrono Trigger thing where it keeps switching up its elemental weaknesses. And there's an interesting mm -hmm. counterplay thing you can do where you can set up magic walls so it'll attack you with a magic spell. It'll reflect back at it and, and because it uses the same element that it's weak to, it'll take like three times as much damage and it's like, Okay, so at least there's something interesting going on with it. Some of the bosses were just like, keep hit it and hitting it until it dies, and it just takes like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, it, the other problem that I have with it is that it felt like the main plot just kind of 
crawls to a standstill after like the first dungeon. Um, then mm. there's then there's a red herring in the fourth dungeon, which at least sort of shakes things up a bit because up to that point it's just been like, who's the killer? I don't remember. Okay, I guess we'll wait for the next person to get kidnapped, and that's kind of what what the story is for like a good 60% of the game. When it finally does pick up again, I thought it got pretty like the the second and third acts of this game were pretty solid in terms of like the emotion and like when you get to the reveal of who the true killer was, it's it's pretty satisfying, even though I personally predicted it, but it was still good to see it happen and it was well acted and executed. But then for some reason there's a fourth act that doesn't add anything at all because the the fake final boss and the true final boss might as well be the same character because they have the same motivation and so it's just kind of like it felt like okay did we really need this other character in this game the this character might as well have shown up after that other boss fight instead of the giant so it's spoilers uh yeah, so I enjoyed Persona 4. I would recommend it. I think that if you are more into RPGs than I am, that you will also enjoy it and probably enjoy it more than I did. I did think that the life sim half of the game was stronger than the RPG half. So, yeah. I love Persona 4, man. So, can't help but agree. I mean, like... You didn't even mention the music, Oh, yeah, the, the soundtrack is really solid as well. Yeah, and for what definitely. they are, Can't the graphics are pretty good for PS2. Man, it's like one of my goats, and I don't even feel like I have anything to say after that. <laughs> I feel like you've covered all my bases. Uh, I, mean, I guess I'll say that it's not really like part of the discussion necessarily, but like, I guess I'll say that for me, uh, P4 and P5 are pretty close, and it usually just comes down to like the smaller things like I prefer the characters a little bit in the setting and the music's pretty close but i also kind of prefer it in p4 so usually comes down to little things that just kind of keeps it special but largely i think p5 addresses a lot of the weaker parts of p4 well, and i can see why it's become so popular do we do we want to talk about p5 now and just or do we want to save it want to pass the bomb well, how does everybody feel do you want to switch things up and would save that or I mean, well, King K, you are the one that is now unfortunately holding the weed as the DEA approaches you in a state that is not legalized marijuana. So, I mean, you better start smoking that thing. I mean, uh, see, I, I don't want to bring up Persona 5 Royal, even if I played it this year, because it will be hard to keep myself from talking about things that haven't happened yet. <laughs> for michael so yeah um, yeah i haven't played p5r either because it, in order for me to get into the nitty-gritty about why i prefer certain things i would have to talk spoilers and i just can't do that what so i don't feel I like heard, bringing that up right me, now what i heard from my friend uh who has finished it and has also played p4 is that they kind of do Part of my problem with the fourth act in P4 is that it doesn't feel like it really adds anything. Uh, where it's just kind of like, 
you you beat this this big thing and the game's over hooray oh but turns out there's another big thing that was secretly controlling the other big thing and now you have to go fight it and it's just like okay what does this add the difference i've heard with p5 is that they actively recontextualize the entire game up to that point in a way that does not add anything or actively makes it worse that's what i've heard and then they do it multiple times is that accurate? Uh, I mean, I guess they kind of do that, but that's not really where my problems lie. But I mean, like, if you have problems with the way P4 handled its fourth act, then I mean, you'll have problems with, I think, with the way P5 does it. Too, I think, so. well, I um, think I'm just going to lay my cards out on the table. I think P Persona 5 is an order of magnitude superior to Persona 4. Uh, just mm. in terms of I actually enjoyed the RPG half in this game like I actually enjoy battling things because like they add the baton pass adds a lot more flexibility they added a couple new elements the overall feedback and UI design is even better than P4's which is already great um, you know and uh, the dungeon design as you discussed earlier is actually dungeon design they didn't just throw hallways yeah. into a computer rng system and just shit out hallways they actually bothered to put in like these puzzles and they had you know when it's like most of the story beats in the dungeons and p4 were just you'd overhear people's voices when you entered a new floor they actually integrate those kinds of elements into the actual dungeon design. Like there's, you go to a pyramid at one point and you get to see, you get to unscramble like Egyptian looking wall paintings that sort of lay out visually what the character is going through, which I thought was really creative and interesting. And yeah, and it's like the, I can, even though I haven't finished the game, I can kind of see why the confidants in five would not be as compelling to people as the social links from four uh there's there's no one who grabs me quite as much as kanji or nato really so far um well yeah see i can get into that without going into specifics um i think a large part of why i still prefer persona 4 is not really persona 5's fault which is why ultimately Persona 4 and 5 are pretty just neck and neck for me generally. But um, but I think Persona 4 is in the first place highly, highly centralized around, you know, facing the dark parts of yourself. It's extremely yes. character focused as a result. And Persona 5 is going for something a little bit more societal, like... It's going for things larger than itself, which I really respect and admire, and I think it's really cool. But like Persona 4, when I had played that for the first time, struck this like emotional chord with me that was really unforgettable. And right. hanging out in a small town is more interesting to me than just in being in Tokyo. But I also don't hold it against Persona 5 because that's what it's going for, you know? But it's just... It ultimately just comes down to preference because I think they're both extremely great games. It's just kind of like a preference match 
And yeah. I can say that without going into story specifics. It's really like I don't have that many complaints with Persona 5, honestly. So, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, totally respect that, that the story of 4 struck that very personal chord with you. Because uh, certainly I've had games where I, I've had that happen to me that other people don't understand. So, you know, I guess I guess for me, I'm very much the type of person, and certainly our discussions of Kingdom Hearts has elucidated this, where you are someone who really cares about emotion and how a story yeah. makes you feel. And I tend to, I find that important, but I also find, you know, structure in like the way that information is doled out in the way that the story moves and changes those things are really important to me um and that's something that i feel like persona 5 so far i'm up to i'm probably like halfway through the fifth dungeon at this point which i've heard is bad but i haven't seen anything bad in it yet uh is that the space one yeah it's the space one i i have um, always really liked that dungeon and i have no fucking idea why people hate it um, I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah, but you know it. It it feels like the story is moving, and there's just more moving parts in Persona Five. Because mm -hmm. uh, like with Persona Four, the main plot was somebody is killing people by putting them in the TV. Who's the killer? That's the sort of the conflict of the story. And then basically throughout the whole game, they keep finding ways to push off telling you who the killer is. And then when they finally do tell you, they keep having reveal after reveal of the man behind the man, which might happen in five. I don't know. But in five, it's like, OK, we we're building up this secret organization we've created. There's a de hotshot detective on our case who's trying to figure out who we are and we got to dodge him. There's this secret government organization that is using kind of similar methods to instill chaos. There's a guy who wants to become prime minister. One of the party members is a sister, is a prosecutor, hotshot prosecutor, who has the potential to uncover what's going on. And it feels like there's more happening between each dungeon. And the dungeons themselves feel a little more compelling to me personally because it's like, Okay, they really build up why you should hate these people. Mm -hmm. And it feels really satisfying to knock them down a peg. And what I find interesting and compelling about this game is the way that it can, much like Persona 4, concede the humanity behind why bad people do bad things. Yeah. Because all of these people are awful, horrible people who have done all of these terrible things. But at their core, what led them to do bad things is that, you know, other people did bad things to them and they didn't, you know, it's like I said, Persona is, all, is about people. It's about yeah. psychology and emotion and, and so I, so it's like when it's you about defeat, family and that's what's so powerful <laughs> about it. But the thing is, is it's about family and that's what's so powerful about it. Uh, yeah. And it's that, that to me is really compelling. I, it, it is one of those things, basically what Persona 5 story is, is Death Note, if it was good. Because the problem no, with I'm Death Note... I'm going to have right, to stop you right, there. Right, no, I'm going right, to have now, to shut this right. conversation down. Yeah, yeah, this is where I draw Every the time you've line, ever Michael. said that, I have to just walk away from my keyboard, because I don't want to have <laughs> <Michael>. this argument. 
I'm ready to have this argument, Michael. Oh, You're ready to tangle. Hey, Dux, I'm ready to can, hey, Dux, can you wage on. this war for me? Because I don't want to wage it. Yeah, I'm rage. I'm a fucking okay, Death Note. Is you one and of my Michael can fight, animes. and then I can watch. All right. Michael, problem... you're so fucking wrong. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? How do you not like Death Note? <laughs> I liked Death Note until I didn't. What do you mean? Is that- are you talking about the part, like, in the second half of the show? Um, even before that, I think the turning point right. for me- <laughs> I think the turning point for me was when they're in the car, when Misa and Light are in the car and the dad's pointing the gun at them. That was kind of the moment where it's just like any good. It's not even that that scene was bad. It's just more like I can see that in my mind as the dividing line between when I was enjoying it on a certain level and when the tropes started to actively annoy me. What tropes? What are you talking I feel like about? I find what I like about Akechi in P5 is that he's the hotshot detective who's after you. He's basically the L character. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Phantom Thieves are basically like Kira, where they have sort of a societal agenda that you could argue is good or bad, depending on your point of view. Um, and meanwhile, Akechi is the very much the black letter of the law type person in terms of how he defines justice, like L. The difference is I always felt like L was way too smart to the point where it was unrealistic and actively annoying. Like, I found him an annoying character. Whereas Akechi has this kind of silent rage quality to him where he's outwardly nice and very friendly, but you can tell that there's something happening beneath that facade, which makes him yeah, but... more entertaining to watch. Michael, you're not comparing apples to oranges more so as you are comparing a mango to a passion fruit. And like, I'm saying that I would rather eat the mango. Alright, but the, here's where I come in. I'm gonna say the passion fruit is still just as good as the mango in the right context, and the context being Death Note. I don't understand how you think the dad pointing the gun at Misa Misa and Light is a bad thing. Considering it's like it's not, I said but that. But it's like it, it's it is de, it is not a defining moment of the bad or the tropes. It's like actually genuinely heartbreaking because then that is where Mel like, starts to trust Kira, you know. Or Light. I would say that that is the moment where it reached an emotional high at that moment that they couldn't really reach again, bro. And then what? from there, it's that just is like insane. It, it felt like. L's, L's death. You're gonna tell me that that was not an emotional that scene, high? The scene where he washes his feet came off as homoerotic to me in a really weird way. It's it's Christian. It's what Jesus did to Judas before he died. That's the reference. Maybe. I don't care. It it came Simon off. I'm telling Peter you. Peter said to Jesus, you will never wash my feet. It's literally, literally Holy Thursday. Before his crucifixion and being betrayed, he washes all of his disciples' feet, knowing that one day, or like soon, Judas is going to betray him. It has that symbolism. You, okay, you could what? argue it's homoerotic, but that's such a weird reading considering the weight of that. It felt L knows like a his weird death scene. Is imminent. It's not a weird scene. It's a perfect, it's a fucking beautiful scene. What are you talking about? I'm so glad I don't have to wage and, this and, war. And, alright, Michael, how are you gonna tell me that when Light gets the Death Note back and he's like, I've won, 
How are you gonna tell me that that is not an emotional high? Or when he's cackling at Elle's grave? Or his breakdown at the end? I, maybe it would be more impactful if I liked either of them. I find Elle annoying, and I find Light an obvious villain, which I know he's supposed to be on a, on a certain level. It's just... I feel like that plot would be more engaging if the actual conflict being discussed was less one-sided. From my perspective, but, L is obviously in the right, but at the same time, I find him see, too okay, annoying to enjoy. Now I'm going to butt in. Because Let, I don't even really go. know right, why we're waging out. this war to begin with. I don't even really know why we're waging this war to begin with, because I don't draw as many parallels between Death Note and Persona 5. Like, when That's when you first thing. said that in the group chat, I, I thought it was interesting, but I was like, I don't really see... Like, I don't really see the parallels beyond the surface level. Like, <clears throat> and I don't really know what comparing the two achieves in my in my opinion. Like, I don't for know... For me, personally, it, it helps to highlight for you guys what it is that I don't like about Death Note. Perhaps that's the purpose of it. Well, I don't think I, it... I, I, like, personally, I don't think it is helping me to understand. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the Phantom Thieves, the conflict about whether what they're doing is right is more compelling because it's much easier to see both sides. Or as yeah, light I, see, I see that, wrong. but like Persona 5 obviously has ambiguity. Whereas it seems like Death Note was never supposed to have ambiguity in that way. Like you could argue that like, yeah, I mean they, they kind of had to make Kira at least a tiny bit sympathetic at first so that he wasn't just a fucking madman, which some people could argue he still is as a protagonist, but well, yeah, I, I never really bought into the idea that Death Note had anything going for it beyond the black and white and the ways in which it explores gray are very not infrequent is the word I'm going for. So I can understand not liking that, but I, I just, I don't personally, I can't compare the two in my head because it doesn't feel like they're really going for the same thing. I, fair enough. I, to me, it does seem like there's at least a similar antagonist protagonist dynamic and similar sorts of themes were of a person who achieves the power to I, you change. You know what? You know what I'll say is that when you behave. finish the game, I want you to come back to me and we can have this conversation again. And I want to see if you've changed <laughs> yes. at all. I would. I would. I am very interested to see why people don't like the ending because the ride up to this point has been really solid, in my opinion. So I'm interested to see how they drop the ball and whether I even agree that they dropped the ball. I actually don't. I, mean, <clears throat> I personally don't even necessarily agree that they dropped the ball, quote unquote. Same. I'm, I was just about to say, this is like, I like the ending of Persona 5. Yeah, honestly, it. like, <clears throat> my problems with the story are more broad than an ending. Like, I don't know. I feel like people boil it down to something a little too simple. Whereas I, I think that there are just problems that I notice that recur. Um, 
I, I don't think there's anything I can specifically point to where I was like, oh, that's like, that's the downfall of Persona 5 story. I don't even think Persona 5 story is bad. I love it. It's just got some issues yeah. that I have with it. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'm I'm interested to to see what happens because I've heard. I would love rumblings that in the next podcast we do when you if you have finished it <laughs> if you have finished it um, that we could revisit, we can this revisit the Death Note versus Persona Five <laughs> yeah, discussion. That, I think that would be interesting. <laughs> and we'll see. We'll see what I think. I could very much um, change my mind. I'm I'm only I'm five building dungeons nuclear in, weapons. Like I said. All right, Ryan. Um, I'm gonna sacrifice my joint and share it with you because I know you haven't played Royal yet. So you can go before me if if King K, you're you're chill with that being your game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, uh, Ryan. Uh, okay. So this is this is the the fun thing about 2020. Uh, <laughs> I I got nothing else to talk about. For real. Like, yeah. Like when I said that like this year was just a bummer for me. Like I I I really didn't mean it. like I'm not I didn't really play a whole lot. Like I I played a little bit of like the Mystery Dungeon remake and I'm like okay, this is a game. Played a bit of Genshin Impact. I'm like mm -hmm. okay, it's a game. How you know? much did uh, Genshin I don't know, did like you I, play? <clears throat> like 2 hours. What did you think of Genshin? Like I'm, I, my friend was, is really into it, but I, I just don't see the appeal. I don't know. It's it just doesn't hold my interest for some reason, mm -hmm. and I don't know why. Um, another one I like. I tried playing Immortals, uh, Rising Phoenix or whatever it's called, the Ubisoft game. Could not get into it. You know, I, I just, wow. I don't know. Yeah. Immortals is uh, I I haven't I tried it because I got sent a code and uh, it, it's like um, I enjoy like the the Greek stuff I like that mm -hmm. but I how much of uh, it did you play again probably like three maybe five hours tops it wasn't much mm. it really, I'm interested like this to what did you think like of the comparison the to Batwa com specifically? I mean, and this also this also kind of goes with uh, Genshin Impact. So I'm gonna like oh. lump uh, these three games kind of together: Genshin Impact, uh, Immortals, and Breath of the Wild. Um, I think it is possible we can start seeing. Um, it's like you know how we have a lot of these walkie-talkie games, like Last of Us Two and uh, Ghost of Tsushima and stuff like that. It's like the games that like are well maybe Ghost of Tsushima. I heard the game opened up a bit, but like you know these hyper linear, hyper story focused games where you are forced to walk along a path, then the camera moves and makes feel things. Like God of War is another example of that. I I, I think it's possible that uh, we can see more of these kind of Batwa clones, and uh. I I don't know if any of them really understands what makes Breath of the Wild what it is. You know, it's it's a feeling of, like, isolation. It's, you know, the minimalist story and all that kind of stuff. Like, when mm. I'm playing Immortals Phoenix and I got these two guys talking in my ear, making jokes about it, you know, about other stuff, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be in a world, you know, trying to do things. Can I, can I do that, please? 
but it doesn't let you because it keeps making jokes and wants to be haha funny and get an impact. It, it's like there's always people around and like you always have people like I don't know, like it's kind of the same thing where people are always talking and I don't know. It's like it doesn't have that kind of mystery that makes Breath of the Wild so interesting. It doesn't have that kind of uh, discovery that makes mm. uh, Breath of the Wild so much fun to play, you know, your first time around. So I, yeah. I'm unfamiliar with this game, uh, this, uh, with the exception of seeing a couple people post like fan art of some of the characters. Of Genshin um, Impact? Yeah. Um. So, and, and you say it's like Breath of the Wild. How would you say it's more like Breath of the Wild rather than just a open world game? Uh, and Genshin, uh, Genshin Impact and Immortals are kind of the same way, just in terms of the way how they play. And the way how the worlds are designed. They're games that have like this this sprawling open field and you can climb just about anything and you also have a glider. It's like it, it, it kind of like it, it plays very similar in that sense. What I appreciate with Genshin Impact is that, you know, there are multiple playable characters and each one has like their own uh, style and their own like elements and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. Genshin Impact I also find to be less offensive because it's free. You know, it's a free-to-play game, so um, I guess you could say it's like the best mobile game, because you can also play it on your phone. It runs like shit on the phone, so don't play it on the phone. <laughs> um, True. But like, I don't know, like I don't think either Immortals or Genshin Impact are bad games. I just don't think they... I, I think they just t- looked at Breath of the Wild at like a surface level and be like, oh, what do people like? Oh, they like the the fucking paraglider. They like that you could climb things and, yep. you know, they got a lot, a lot of the, 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 how do you say, the surface stuff? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. The, the, the dressing, let's say, of Breath of the Wild, but it doesn't have like any of the, the real meat. They don't have it what mm. makes... Breath of the Wild so good. It's the isolation, it's the mystery, it's the minimal story, you know? And again, like, that sense of discovery. It's about exploration. I don't feel like as if uh, either of those games... And again, maybe it's not fair for me to say because I haven't played much of those games. Um, Because, again, they just couldn't hold my attention. It just feels as if they don't understand that it's the exploration and sense of discovery that makes those games so good. So... I I think it's like a... If you just had frosting without a cake, yeah, yeah, you're you're gonna get sick of it after like I don't know, a couple spoonfuls, maybe a cup. And like a I cup. like what. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I was gonna sneak that one in. <laughs> I, I, I you should, like. You should tell what... them about the whipped cream and shredded cheese thing you used to do. What the fuck? Did I not say this on the podcast? <laughs> you've told Have me, I, but I don't think you, you've shared this on the podcast Ryan, before. I'm so sorry to derail you. Please stab no, let, me in my let's, shin. Let's hear this. I want to hear it. I, Michael and some of you know uh, that I have very strange eating habits. Um, so, I mean, the classic is the shredded mozzarella cheese from a bag in one bowl and, and another bowl. It would be a bunch of Lay's baked potato chips, and they wouldn't mix. They'd take us a handful of shredded cheese, chomp it down, and then take a couple chips, put it in, 
chase it down with some OJ, right? <laughs> that's 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 a that's the first step here. The second step is uh, we used to buy Cool Whip and Hershey's chocolate syrup, and I used to pour it in the Cool Whip like the whole <laughs> bottle and mix it all together and just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's here, giving me a sugar headache just thinking about it. And then here's here's where it gets even fucking worse. So you know how when you have uh you make ice cream, you put you scoop some ice cream out, you put sprinkles on, you cover it in chocolate syrup. Mm-hmm. Well, I when I was a kid, I thought, what if I cut out the ice cream middleman? So I in a bowl, <laughs> I would pour in chocolate sprinkles and just pour chocolate syrup on top and eat just that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the here's here's where it gets even fucking worse. Oh man, it gets worse and worse. <laughs> when I'm going to Whole Foods and I want to get like some turkey, I order just a slab of meat. Like a slab. I'll say I'll take that entire piece. <laughs> and they're like, "Don't you want me to cut it up or slice it?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> and what I do with it is I, I, I don't even cut it up myself. I literally hold it in my hand and eat it like a fucking <laughs> ape. <laughs> and I'm just chomping meat. I do this with roast beef, too. I'll take, like, not even sliced roast beef. I'll eat it, literally tear it, and gnaw at it <laughs> like a monster. <laughs> like a <laughs> peasant. And, uh, <laughs> by the way, I do eat peanuts with the shell on. I eat them whole. I just, <laughs> what does is anybody wrong else with do you? That? Does anybody do that? No. Please tell. I think no. I probably okay. did that when I was seven, and then my I mom feel said, like as if we've had this conversation before. We, the we've, had the, we've had the conversation about the peanuts before. <laughs> I, I still we, eat that, though. <laughs> I'm not gonna have sex with a cantaloupe! <laughs> oh, the cantaloupe story with the veterans, yeah. Yep. Yep, the... If, if I put my dick in something that's been in a microwave, I'll get radiation poisoning! <laughs> okay, now Exo's just being mean. <laughs> uh, I, I love you, it? Ryan. Feel, oh, feel, I love free, you too. feel free to start throwing shade back at me anytime you want. I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Could I be, should I be mean just wait for you to talk about your game of the year? <laughs> oh, oh don't mean. worry. You you will have this visceral reaction. <laughs> I'm gonna call you names and stick my hey, tongue Ryan, out and go neater neater neater. You're, you're not gonna need any extra prompting to do that. Ryan, I just <laughs> Ryan, I just cut off my foreskin. Here it is. <laughs> why did I say, for the fucking love of God, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? I meant to say Ryan talk. My brain just fucking said, Ryan, I... <laughs> Ryan, here's my foreskin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Ryan, Don't apologize. Um, I just gotta put a little bit of salt in it. It'll taste great. Yeah, eat it with the eat, with, eat, with, eat it with the foreskin on. Do you suck cock with or without the foreskin? Why not both? <laughs> I cut it off and then I reattach Listen, it. If you're, if you're sucking a dick and the foreskin is still covering the head, then you're not doing it right. Fair enough. Oh, my class fucking spoken. <laughs> what if I just like the taste? 
I mean, yeah, Michael. What if you're just enough. like having a foreskin cock in your mouth? <laughs> I mean, I've I've been or your belly man. button. What's so a, let's call back. So Ryan, I I am curious because it just for me from my perspective, it was kind of the case of it felt like one game I was interested in was coming out after another. So I'm <laughs> curious for certain games and as we go along, because like uh, I don't know whose turn it is next. Mine. Okay. Um. So I, I'd be curious <laughs> okay. to know as we go forward why it was you weren't interested in checking out a specific game or if you played it and why you didn't enjoy it that much. So just going I mean, forward, I guess. I mean, like the thing is too, and I, could, I, I feel like as if I could say this now. Um, so earlier this uh, in 2020, I actually wanted to do a podcast about uh, the PS4 and the Xbox uh, One Generation. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was podcast it? was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not all podcasts go through. What, what is that? Like the eighth generation of consoles, right? Yeah. We're on the ninth right now. I, I feel like part of the problem there was that it's just that we weren't in the right frame of mind to Maybe. talk about it at the time. It was. It's. It's a fine concept for a podcast. I just don't but think I we came into it prepared shit. enough. My my one of the points I I wanted to make. Um, is that I just feel like as if there's like a lot of games and this is kind of like a no-brainer for a lot of people there's a lot of games that are very I guess samey you know and again mm-hmm. like we talked about Breath of the Wild um, and the kind of <clears throat> and the kind of games that uh, it's going to spawn because I think we're going to be getting more of those types of uh, more of those types of games um, but again like if we look at uh, The Last of Us and God of War and Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us 2 and Final Fantasy VII Remake. We get a lot of those kind of games. Spider-Man PS4 uh, does this too, to an extent. Um, the the slow-paced, walkie-talkie, linear, super... Uh, we, we swear video games are more than just video games. We can be art too, you guys! And I just... These, I, those games I find to be very boring. Uh, I just... I. Right. They just, they feel the same, they play the same, they look the same, and they can never really hold my interest. I'll say that, uh, out of all the ones i played, I think 7 Remake is the best one. It's the one that, uh, I wanted to beat, anyways. Um, but anyways, uh, and like I said earlier, like, when I saw the nominations for Game of the Year this year, and it's not to say that I think those games were bad, Right, because you I mean a lot of those games don't make themselves. A lot of work has to go into making yeah. those games. <laughs> but at the same time, I saw that and I just like deflated. I'm like, wow. Out of all of the games, like like three of them are the fucking same, you know? Oh and it's man, like, it, you it, it, you are every time I, I, you I say know. something like that, you drive the dagger <laughs> a little bit deeper. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I will fucking take it. I don't care. But like I don't know. It just, it makes me it made at me the, really at sad. This point, just, all four of us have had our own takes, our own hot takes yeah. that we literally <laughs> cannot blame any of each other because then yeah. they would just yeah. throw something else in our face and be like, "Oh yeah, good point." So at this I'm point, I'm sure the the Death Note <laughs> fanboys will be coming for me in the night. So it's your um, good. Yeah, I'm but sure the, Cyberpunk fanboys the same. It just it made me sad because it made me it. it it looks like as if this is like the direction that this next generation is going to be headed towards. You know, again, like yeah. these, I, I, you know, there, you know how there's like Oscar bait movies. Yes. I, I think there's games that 
are kind of like the same way, where it's it's game of the year bait or Gotti bait. That's what I've always called them. Gotti, G O T Y, Gotti. Um, yeah. yeah, like like Gotti with God of War, like an I'm Italian PS- mobster. <laughs> <laughs> he is just he simply got there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like God of War Four or God of War on PS Four. Like again, people love that game. I can't get into it, and it just makes me sad. Like when I see that, and I see something like Devil May Cry Five. You know, a game that kind of celebrates that it's Devil May Cry. You play Devil May Cry 5, you're saying, I am playing Devil May Cry, and it's great. I play God of War on PS4, I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not playing God of War, I'm playing this weird, cinematic, emotional mess of, like, I don't like it. Uh, you know, this, this is where um, I kind of go into, like, a bit of a circle, too. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, uh, this gener- uh, when I saw that lineup this year, no. it made me appreciate Kingdom Hearts three a hell of a lot more. Because you know, like, oh. as, as much as that game disappointed me, when I was playing Kingdom Hearts three, I was playing Kingdom Hearts. You know, it's a game that knows what it is, does what it sets out to do. Yeah, you know, and it, it doesn't feel the need to compromise its identity for the sake of like mass appeal. Hmm. Final Fantasy well, seven remake doesn't exactly do that. I don't. I play that. I'm like. I'm not playing Final Fantasy VII. I'm playing a game that's based off of Final Fantasy VII or something like that. It, just, it feels you, wrong. It feels off. You really thought that? You really yeah, didn't like it? I mean, there there were things about Seven Remake that I liked. You know, and if yeah, we get the, oh, and, your review was great, by the way, for expressing that. Everybody go watch it. <laughs> but if there was, and admittedly, like that video was like a bit of a knee jerk reaction. Like I I played through the game. I wrote the script and then I played through it again to record footage. And what I wished I elaborated a bit more on, because I brought this up like in passing, but I wish I brought up about how I feel as if like the thing that made like, it's not even the fact that like, it's not a turn-based RPG. You know, if we're going to remake Final Fantasy VII, I think they went the right route in making it an action game. Um, Are, are you okay kind with us talking about it, this now, King K? Or? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, um, it's just like it, it feels like a Western action game. It doesn't feel like a JRPG. It doesn't feel like Final Fantasy VII, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's mm-hmm. the same thing with God of War on PS4. It doesn't feel like God of War. It feels like a Western. And God of War is a Western game. I know that, but like it just it feels like as if it's made by a completely different studio with completely different intentions. Like, and I'm not saying they shouldn't exist or anything like that, but I'm just saying like it just bothers me that this is the direction that we're headed. We're going to be getting more of these kind of games, and it's just like. I feel as if games can be so much more, but they're going to just kind of follow the, uh, they're going to follow the trend and that, that sucks. I uh, respectfully, Ryan. What happened? Hey, ducks. Go ahead. Uh, I I was just going to say respectfully, Final Fantasy, the original game. I don't care if it's like, um, not Western or not. It's boring as fuck. I'm (laughs) sick of pretending it's not. It, it is one of the most boring games ever, and I don't care if anybody likes that game, unfollow me, unsubscribe, get rid of me. I guess me. I'm unsubscribing, Never... sorry, Haydox. <laughs> the, the worst part is that I'm... somebody's actually going to do it, and then Haydox and I are probably going to end up talking about it privately. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Michael, you're an asshole. You're an asshole for that one. <laughs> no, but uh, well, Here's my question I, right I, now, because if we're... Mm-hmm. I, I need to ask, if we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake, we're going to fucking talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Are you yep. prepared to can have I, this conversation can I, right uh, now? 
I mean, are there I'm more not. games that you guys wanted to talk about? I want to I mean, talk like about I said, one I'm pretty thing much dry before. at this point. Before Final Fantasy VII, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say, I want to talk about something on a lighter note. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lighter note. I, Ryan, yeah. Well, like, Ryan, you say, uh, like, this trend in gaming, but I played a lot of games this year uh, that were, like, not like that. And were pretty big, you know, names. And, um... I don't want to talk about my favorite of the year, but I want to talk a little bit about Hades. Like that's, um, that's a game I've been I've been seeing you, a lot of. You would love it, Ryan. I think you would absolutely love this game. I the, bought the it. Story, I have it. I just haven't played it. You play know? it seriously, Ryan. You you will. This is like I I play this game and I think of you and King K and Michael to an extent because there's a. Yeah, it's a lot of you hot should. Men. Uh, yeah, basically, Hadox bought this game for me for my birthday. And I was just like, wow, a game I wouldn't have bought for myself. Thanks, Haydox. And, <laughs> and Haydox was just like, yeah, no problem. There's lots of hot dudes in this game. You will love it. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, true. It's true. Because uh, Haydox, he, he knows me well. And that's all I can say. Yeah, there are so many. I mean, Dionysus, Zagreus himself, Hades. I mean, Hades is Hades is a man. Sheesh. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ryan, like Hades yeah. is the perfect counterexample of that because mm -hmm. it is the most unique, perfect game I've played. Like, I, I'm confident in saying Hades is perfect to me. It has the perfect gameplay loop, uh, the perfect unraveling of information. It's like, it is perfectly described as like, you're like trying to figure out why does Zagreus want to leave the house of Hades and you get more info as you talk to more Olympians and more characters like the world just gets more developed and all of the relationship building and the combat just feels so fucking good the art style the voice acting everything is so unique and like holy shit the music in the blood is like I, I was lifting uh, the other day and I just put that on and literally I, I benched like 10 above my PR because I was like I was that fucking hyped it is like fuck it is so good and Ryan if you had a poor opinion of 2020 like please if there's anything you could listen to me ever in my life <laughs> I I will put my life on it you can kill me if you don't like this game I'm giving you permission alright um you, you heard me. it here first folks <laughs> I Ryan it, it is it is genuinely, like, challenging and riveting, and, and like, it, it is just, like, at first you're like, ah, uh, you know, it's it's one of these roguelikes, but it, it's very different I, I, from I other... like roguelikes. One, I, I played One Step From Eden earlier this year, and that game's really oh, good. Yeah. It's roguelike. Yeah. You, you, know? you would love this game, Ryan. You're, you would love this game. Play it. Seriously, that's all I'm going to say. Anybody who has played this game, they they all love it. Um, King K, have you, are you far into it? Uh, I'm not like, well, I've made it to Elysium. I don't know how far that is. Ah. Um. Yeah. Okay. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm not like currently blown away by it, but I can see why everybody likes it. King K, trust me. It, as he, it, it is the type of game 
that just gets better and I better. I respect that it's the kind of game that I can play once every couple weeks and still find myself coming yeah. back the next couple weeks, you know? There aren't many games that I can play dude, and then come back a few weeks later. I don't know. It's kind of a weird phenomenon. Very unusual. But I, I do, like, and every once in a while, I'm like, let me boot up Hades again, do a few runs, talk to some more people, learn some more things, and then yeah, do something else. So, it's pretty cool. And Eric, Michael's brother, is a big fan of this game. We were talking yeah, about it. I think he's it playing it right was, now. Yeah, I was asking him, like, a couple questions, and, like, it, it, he was like, it's the type of game that, even after you beat it, you want to keep going to, like, literally... 100% it. It is very like, I want to see everything this game has to offer. I want to have like maxed out relationships with everybody. I want to have a threesome with Zagri, like a, a the, the, no, the, he, the Megara. Did he say that? No, I did. Okay, I was just gonna say my brother's straight yeah, as an arrow, so <laughs> I will say well, that I fuck Hades is floating head. Hades development is very inspiring uh given true the few big releases that happened this year and their development um issues um i i uh, am I very feeling <laughs> i i admire supergiant for being not what how do i even describe this i admire them for treating their developers like human beings We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Did Supergiant also make Bastion? Yes. Yes. Okay. They made Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and uh, yep. Hades. Okay, yep. I also All have Bastion, but I haven't games. played it yet. Got it for like two bucks. Hades, though, Ryan. Hades. I mean... It's making quite a splash at Design College, I can say that much. Everybody seems to be playing mm. it. My professor's like... If you want to go into narrative design, then you need to play Hades. <laughs> it's a very good game. Go play Hades. It's um, true. It's and it's true. just like, okay. And I mean, like, I guess I like Greek-themed games. The graphics look really nice. But it's just, it's it's one of those things where if I've never played anything like that before. I've never played a roguelike in my life, and I have no idea if I'd like it or not. So I'm just kind of like, you would. I don't know. Do you, you would, know? or or you can kill me. You would kill me. You could kill me too if I if I'm not giving uh, you a good recommendation. I'm not gonna go. Gonna press that topic. <laughs> it's a it's a big can of worms that should not be open on this podcast. But uh, I'm, Michael I'm not. just walks up to my house with a big rope, and then he just just uh, puts me uh, over the bridge with a so pair who's of next. Blocks. Uh, <laughs> Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. The music used in this podcast is as follows. Aces High, Airport Lounge, Beachfront Celebration, Bosa Bosa, Chucky the Construction Worker, Cool Vibes, Deadly Roulette, Deuces, Dispersion Relation, Fireflies and Stardust, Hard Boiled, In Your Arms, Jazz Brunch, Local Forecast Slower, Malt Shop Bop, Mining by Moonlight, No Good Layabout, Octo Blues, Secret of Tiki Island, Shaving Mirror, 
Water, Sidewalk Shades Slower, Spyglass, Street Party, Water Droplets on the River, and Winter Chimes. All of these tracks were composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and are licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You can find this license at http colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash buy forward slash 4.0 forward slash. This podcast was edited by yours truly, Exoparadigm Gamer. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.